You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. join me in prayer. Uh, Father, we come before you today uh, wanting to uh, know you, uh, wanting to draw close to you and and, uh, the singing uh, of songs to you and the the reading of your words and and, uh, looking at this incredible passage of of your your spirit coming upon uh, humanity and coming upon the disciples. And, And so, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the truth of who you are uh, that you would reveal yourself to us as, as we come seeking you in this place. Um, pray that you would speak. God, that's our, our heart's desire. Of that same spirit that came to the disciples is here today and it's with us. And so with that same power, uh, we open up these scriptures. And with that same power, we, uh, we'll go out from this place today being bold for your name. So may you build us up, Father, into the church, into the bride, and use us for the advancement of your kingdom. In your name, amen. Good morning. Uh, glad you guys uh, came and hung out, hanging out with us today at the church. Uh, we are the second week into a sermon series. Uh, well, it's been going on since the beginning of the year, but this is the second week that we're in the book of Acts. Uh, if you're new with this, we worked all the way through Luke's. We started in uh, the beginning of February, did a chapter a week, uh, read through a lot of scripture, really focused on certain, certain points, and got to go on this cool journey with God of, of seeing all that Jesus, all that God used Jesus for. And, and, uh, and then uh, we went through the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then uh, when Jesus, after he was resurrected, he appeared to the disciples. We talked about that two weeks ago, and he told them that he was going to send his spirit upon him, and he called his spirit uh, the promise. He said, I'm going, to send you, I'm going to send you the promise. And he also calls it the helper earlier. He says, I'm going, to, I'm going to send you the helper. And it's something that's going to allow you to accomplish this task that I'm going to set out for you. And then last week, we looked at Jesus' ascension and his last command, which was for the disciples to go out and to preach the, the message of who he was to all nations. And so that's what this video is all about, Acts 1-8. It's about the message of who Jesus is going out all over the world because it's for all people. It's, it's for us here in Portland. It's for uh, people in other parts of the world, our students from Spain. Uh, the, the good news of who Jesus is goes to all nations and all people and, and all social classes and all genders. But the way the message is going to go out is through the church. It's through the people of God going and speaking. And God says that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empower you to be able to go and do that, to be able to speak for my name. And so that's what we want to look at today is the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to go all the way through the end. So we're going to read some scripture, do some teaching, read some scripture, do some teaching, do a little worship, do a little teaching, uh, and kind of work our way through the book this way. So if you need extra coffee, it's back in the coffee booth. And I won't get offended if anybody needs to stretch at some point in the message. Uh, so I'm not going to have you guys stand today just because we're going to be doing a lot of scripture reading and it would wind up being real liturgical after a while. So we're just going to sit and we're going to read the scriptures. But we're going to start in Acts chapter 2. And this first section is going to take us all the way through verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, you can check it out. It's up on the screens here. So join with me in the, the reading of God's word. When the day of Pentecost arrived... 
They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, I believe it's Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya beyond the Cy- belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, we hearing them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. And so this is the story of Jesus, the Spirit of God actually coming down to a group of disciples. Now it happens on a day that we would call Pentecost. And Pentecost is a, is a Jewish holiday. It's celebrated as part of the Feast of Week, annual celebration. And this, this celebration occurred 50 days after Passover. So for our context here, Jesus was crucified over Passover. This is taking place 50 50 days afterwards, the disciples are gathered into a home here. There's about 120 of them, so it must be a big house that they're all gathered into. And they're, they're waiting for the Spirit because Jesus, in the end of Luke, in Luke 24, when we walk through the resurrection, Jesus told them, I want you to wait until the Helper comes. I want you to wait until the promise comes because I'm going to ask you to do something. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be really challenging. But I am going to empower you to do it. I'm going to give you this thing that I've been telling telling you that would come for a long time. We can look back into the Old Testament and part of God's plan was always to send his spirit down to his people to enable them to walk with him in righteousness. We can look at at verses like Ezekiel 26, uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 26 through 27. uh, And I believe it's up here on our screen too. It says, uh, and I will give you a new heart. So this is a prophet in the Old Testament. He's talking, he's, he's being God talking to Israel. He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So one part of God's plan was that he was going to actually send his spirit to come down. And the way that the people of God were able to walk in a relationship with him wasn't because they were just good enough or because they were disciplined enough, it was because his spirit was going to be inside of him. So this is something that the, the, the people of Israel, the Jews, they were waiting for this. They were, they were saying, okay, when is this day going to come? When is the day going to come? And then all of a sudden it comes, and it comes really powerfully upon this group of disciples. And it says it comes in the form of a, of a strong wind. And that, that doesn't surprise me, because when I look back in the Old Testament, I see passages like uh, Ezekiel, or uh, uh, Exodus 18, when Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and remember when, when God 
shows himself to Moses. It's in this cloud of smoke and it slams down on the mountain. And there's fire and there's wind and it's very, it's very powerful. And then we can look at passages like 1 Kings 19. And it's uh, the passage of Elijah when he's up on the mountain and God comes to talk to Elijah. And there's this strong wind that comes. And it says the wind is so strong that it begins to tear the mountain apart. That's the power of God. And so I believe in this passage, the is coming because it's showing God's presence with his spirit. This is something that is of him. This is something that's coming down to him to humanity. Something that's going to be with us and will forever change the way that we interact with him. So it says it comes in this form of a, a mighty wind. And then it comes specifically in a real way. It says that, that the spirit after the wind descends upon them and it actually sits on them in the form of divided tongues of fire. Why do you guys think he chose to present himself in divided tongues of fire? Because when we look at when, when the Spirit came to Jesus in the uh, beginning of Matthew, would you guys remember what form the Spirit de- de- descended upon Jesus in? It's a dove. Remember, he comes in on a dove. And so, it's a, it's a, and so all of a sudden, it's, it's flaming tongues of fire. And, and I think of fire, and I'm like, okay, I can see that in God, the burning bush, you know, with, in, in Exodus with Moses, the pillar of fire as he walks with them. You know, that's God. Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, 20, Hebrews 12, 28, uh, and, and our God is a consuming fire. You know, like, I get that. But, but why to the disciples? Let's start with fire. Why did God choose to come fulfill this promise in the form of fire? Any ideas? I think that's it. I mean, that, that's what we attribute fire to the most, right? It doesn't just start in one place and just stay there calmly. Fire consumes. It goes out. What's going to happen to the disciples after the Spirit comes upon them? They're going to go out, aren't they? And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna spread across the empire. Check out this map here. This is a map of, uh, of the Jews when, uh, after, after this, this moment. So you've got Jerusalem in the red right here. And the, the majority of the Roman Empire is, is kind of right along the, the Mediterranean Sea here. So this message that starts right there in that dot. That's where God decides to show himself. That's where his spirit come, comes to him. All of a sudden... These people are going to go out, and they're going to go to all these places in, in purple. So in purple right here, that's in the, the first part. Oh, hey, look at there. That's in the first part of, uh, of the Roman Empire. Laser. Uh, in the purple here, uh, it's going to go out. And then in the, in the late part of the Roman century, in the, in, the, in the late part of the Roman period, in the second century, it's going to be going to the, to the blue here. And the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus for the first time is going to go to places like Spain. And it's going, to be, it's going to start spreading through Europe and coming down to northern Africa. And then by the end of the Roman period, it's going to start popping up even outside of the Roman Empire. As these people get bold about who Jesus is. And they start telling everybody about it. So I think that's what the fire represents. I think it represents the way that the gospel is going to go out. It's going to be something consuming, something that's going to spread so fast it can't be contained. That's who Jesus is. That's what he does. He comes in and there's these radical changes that's happened in our life. You ever been consumed by God? You ever had him come in and just radically change who you are? That's of his nature. That's what it means to be a part of his kingdom. So what about a tongue? So it's consuming, it's spreading. Why a tongue? Why not feet? 
to go. Feet of fire, right? You know, I would think feet of fire would work. Why not feet of fire? Why a tongue of fire? Yeah. The, the way the gospel is going to go is with the tongue. That's the thing that you're going to be empowered to have as God's people, to speak. I love that. I love that. I look at that and I say, God is going to give me this ability to go and to speak the gospel. And that's how God's kingdom is advanced. Royce talked about that last week. He said the kingdom of God is not advanced through the doing of good works. It's not advanced through social projects. It's not advanced through feeding the poor. It's not advanced through being together just as a group of people and hanging out. The kingdom of God is advanced through you and me speaking with our mouths the good news of who Jesus is. Now, is it bad to do social projects? No. That's a part of making that relational connection with someone in order to speak, right? In order to go forth and to be bold with the message. But why are we so shy about speaking? We will get so excited about serving food, you know? We'll go to Roosevelt High School and we'll feed people, which is awesome. We need that. We'll go to um, Billy's home group. Where are you guys going every week, every month? The retirement community? Assumption Village. We'll go to Assumption Village and we'll serve those people that are, that are there. We'll serve the needy. But are we speaking the truth of who God's word is? If this church is going to be known for something, I don't want it to be social projects. I want it to be because we as his people get set on fire. We realize that that same spirit that landed on the disciples is residing inside of us. And we go and we speak the message of who Jesus is. Because we could do the programs, guys. We really could. We could offer the plethora of ministry opportunities and all of those things. But I want those things to come out of the, the, a gospel word being spoken into people's lives. And then we have to offer parenting classes because people are hearing about Jesus and they're coming. And they're like, I don't know what to do with my kids. That's what I want all of this to come out of. is us being bold for the kingdom of us taking this message of who Jesus is all over the inside of this, uh, this empire. And I truly believe that's why God had us go through the book of Luke together and, and really get excited about who he is and what he's done with us. And I think that's now why he's having us do acts because he wants us to see a group of, of just plain old Jesus-loving people that get empowered to go and be bold for who he is. And, and in our home community this past week, we were talking about this, and Royce had posed a question to us of, of what is it that, that God is requiring you to do that you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit, and who specifically is he calling you to be witness to? And so we went around in our group, and we talked about that. And, and one person in our group that's been at Red Sea for a while said, for the first time, I'm, I'm having to realize that that's really about me. Like, it was so easy in the past to just come and sit and feel good about the message because other people were doing it. And I was hearing stories and I was always really excited about what that person was doing. But now all of a sudden there's a reality to the mission of, wow, if it happens, it's going to happen through me. And it's going to happen through you guys. And I truly believe God can do that. Because look what God can do when his spirit comes upon normal people in this passage. It says that they speak in unknown, in, a, in other, other tongues. So not to, meet, not to be uh, misinterpreted as unknown tongues. That's what we see in 1 Corinthians when Paul's talking about that gift of some 
unknown language that people can speak. That's not what this passage is talking about. This passage specifically, the miracle that happens here in Acts 2, is that God allows a group of people to speak in a language that they do not know. Wow, that's pretty cool. I haven't seen this one happen since then. I think it's evidence of, of, of what God did. And I think it's also God doing what he said he was going to use them to do. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. I want you to go out, and now I'm going to actually do it for you, which is so much security in me. I'm like, wow, all I have to be, do is be obedient to speak, and it's God that will do the speaking. He'll be the one that will give me the words to say. And for these, this group of, of apostles, they actually have this ability to speak in another language, an unknown language. And, and then it lists all of these people. And basically the, those lists, the Parthians and the Medes and areas of, of, uh, of the, the Roman Empire. In that map, these people, they were devout Jews. So they had come from all over the Roman Empire to this one place for Pentecost, for this holy holiday. And then God's spirit comes down upon them and it gives them this ability to go and speak in a, another language. So once again, watch, the miracle is not in the hearing, right? The miracle is not in the interpretation. The miracle is in the ability to speak. Once again, it's, it's that flame of tongue. It's that ability to go and to tell other people about Jesus. That's what God's spirit empowers me to do. And that's what it empowers you to do. And so you have this group of people that hear it. So the disciples, they start speaking in this, these other languages they never heard. And, and so the, it says these devout men, they hear this sound. Now the sound isn't the sound of the mighty rushing wind. I believe the disciples heard that. They were the ones that got to say, okay, this is God. The sound is them speaking. Isn't that cool? What draws people to Jesus, once again is the gospel being articulated. And God decides to show up to these people in the way that would be most familiar to them. He's like, I'm gonna show up to you in your language. Because God wants us to be able to understand it. If, if the gospel is going to be preached, shouldn't we do it in the way that they understand it the clearest? In the way that's gonna sink into their mind the clearest? That's what God does. That's how he chooses to show up to uh to these group of people, and their response to hearing the gospel being spoken in their own languages, hey, aren't all these people Galileans, right? Like, like they don't know our languages. We've come from all over the empire, and these people all live here, and, and aren't these the same people that were hanging out with Jesus, and aren't they like a bunch of fishermen? You know, aren't they just a bunch of good old boys, a bunch of skilled trades workers that all of a sudden gets empowered by God? Yeah, that's who God chooses, us. He chooses us to fill his spirit with. He chooses us to use for the message of who he is to go to all people. And so I want to encourage you guys, don't fear. Don't fear man. Don't fear what people are going to think when you speak. But be bold for Jesus and let him be the one that goes in and does, and does the work. And so from this event, from this coming of the Spirit, their ability to speak in unknown languages, they're going to go out into all the empire. They're going to go across that map, and they're going to tell Jesus about, about who he is. But some of them, they, 
they just aren't sure. It says they're, they're amazed, they're bewildered, which means they have a lack of words. They don't really know how to respond. But others of them stand there mocking. And they're like, it's a little early to be drinking, guys. You know? Like, like literally. It's, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, and they're thinking, these guys are already drunk at 9 in the morning. Because they can hear these languages being spoken. They don't know each other's languages. So to them, it sounds like gibberish. Well, then Peter is going to lay down the gospel here for them. He's going to begin to tell them about who Jesus is. So let's check that out in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And so he's going to go here and he's going to use three passages of Scripture to talk about how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. He's going to use Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 30, Psalm 16, 8 through 11, and Psalms 10, 110, 1. And we've used the Psalms passages two weeks ago when we were talking about why was Jesus resurrected. So he's going to start quoting some of these prophets. And he quotes Joel here. He says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on, my, even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens. And now he's going to start looking toward the end a little bit. He's going to do a little bit of the, the, the um, end times language here. It says, and signs on the earth below. There will be blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified, you killed him, He was killed by the hands of the lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David even said concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades and let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. And you will make full of gladness with your presence. And so he's done quoting here. He turns back and he says, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus... God raised up. And of that, we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord sits at my hand. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know certain that God has made him 
both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Whew, that's intense, right? That's a fisherman, (laughs) you know? Like, talk about the Spirit of God coming down. And Peter, this, this guy that was, he was hiding before, right? He was ashamed of Jesus. No, I don't, I don't know him. You guys remember that? And then they're in this room and they're hiding after, yeah, after Jesus' resurrection. And they're like, I heard Jesus has come back. And all of a sudden, Jesus was there with them. Man, he's just like bold because he gets it. And he's like, oh, yeah, like look at these scriptures in the Old Testament. That was about Jesus Remember, remember, he said, hey guys, remember you devout Jews, you people that have studied the word your whole life. Remember, God said that he would send his spirit. It came. And that spirit that came is for all people. It's for you that are, that are men, you that are women. If you're old, if you're young, if you're a slave, meaning you're poor, if you're rich, the gospel goes beyond all social classes. It goes behind, beyond all gender. It goes behind all age. And it comes inside of us and it empowers us. It says that, that we prophesy. We begin to tell about who Jesus is. And then Peter's going to make this connection right in the middle. He's going to say, oh, okay, God said he was going to send his spirit. And now it's here. That means the clock is ticking. Wow. And so I remember when I was hanging out with Jesus and he was talking about the end, right? He was talking about the destruction of the temple. You guys remember when we walked through that? before the Garden of Gethsemane when he was hanging out with the disciples and we talked about specifically that and we looked at the signs and wonders, Peter's like, whoa, this is all that stuff Jesus was talking about. And when he paints this picture of the end, it ain't pretty. There's blood and there's fire and there's, there's smoke and there's destruction. And it's this reality check for these guys here. They're like, wow, look, at, look, this is coming. Okay, the Spirit came, and I know that's next. What does all that mean? What are we supposed to do? And Peter says, let me tell you about, about Jesus. Let me tell you about this guy or this, 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 this being that God sent, God's Spirit, a part of him that he sent down to this earth. That was part of God's plan to send Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins, right? Let me tell you about this God. That, that died, but then he was, he was resurrected. And, and, and God vindicated that sacrifice. God raised him back from the dead. Death couldn't hold on to him. It says that it, it loosed the pains of death. It's the analogy to childbirth. That the grave couldn't even hold Jesus if it wanted to. You ladies been pregnant, it's coming out. You know, like, I can't stop it. You know, this thing is going to happen. That's what Peter says. That's what Jesus did when he burst forth from the grave. And he rose and he was victorious. And he's now sitting at the right hand of God. And his spirit has come down upon us. And he says, you crucified him. You killed him. And they're like, what in the world are we supposed to do? That's the question that they ask here. What are we supposed to do? Let's check that out. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and it's for your children, praise God. And it's for all who are far off, and it's for everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So hearing the message of Jesus Christ, hearing all that God had done with him, and they finally heard about who God was, they asked what they should do. And he says, Very, here's what I want you to do. Repent and be baptized. The essence of the gospel is humble yourself before God and let him build you up. Repent of the sin. That word repent means a turn. You were heading life one direction and you changed direction. You realized where you were going. And you said, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live in rebellion to my God anymore. I want to repent of the sin that's in my life. That's what these guys do in this passage. And then after, after repentance, after coming before God and, and humbling yourself, he said, now be baptized. So after, after you humble yourself before God, after you, you empty yourself of him, he says, I want you to do this thing, and it's called baptism. And it's, it's going to be a symbol of this new life. It's going to be you getting all of the past washed away. So all of the, the sin that's in your life, all of the, the ways that you've, that you've sinned against one another, you know, I think there comes a time in our life when we realize as, as humans that we've done something wrong, right? You ever come to that point where you're just like, man, what is wrong with this world? Even last, a couple of days ago, when a, a guy walked into a movie theater in Colorado and he unloads on the audience, you know, and just starts killing people. What is wrong with this world? Why would someone strap a bomb to their chest and walk into a marketplace and blow everybody up? There's something wrong. Why would, why would our children die at birth? There's something wrong with this place. You come to that point when you, when you realize that and you say, okay, God, this, I did this. I'm the one that messed this place up. That's repentance. That's coming humbly before God. And when you come to that place of humility before him, of acknowledging your sin, he says, now watch this. I'm gonna come inside of you and I'm gonna make something beautiful out of your life. And for the first time in your life, you're gonna get to walk with me in a way that you never knew was even possible. That's what baptism symbolizes. Up here behind this, we have a, a pool full of water. And, and every, every couple of months we fill this thing up and a lot of times we do it when we come across scriptures that talk about baptism because we want to give you guys a chance to respond in that way. Because Peter didn't say, repent and then later on at some point be baptized whenever you get around to it or whenever you figure your life out or you get yourself straight. He says, right now, obedience. Repent and be baptized. You guys can do that today. If you've never been baptized, I want to get up in there with you. And I want to allow you to be obedient to the commands of God and be baptized in the clothes that we're wearing right now. That's how they would have done it. They would have gotten up there. There were pools throughout Jerusalem and they would have been baptized right then. 
and let, let God wash you clean. And then when you're clean, his Holy Spirit is going to invade your life and use you to do these amazing things. And so there's some of you in this room who have never repented before God. You've never come to that place of broken humility before God. And maybe you're there. Maybe you, you're, you're hearing about this Jesus and you're like, maybe I don't have it all figured out. But I do know that there's a problem. And I do believe that God's the answer to that problem. What I want you to do is when we have this last section of singing here, I want you to get up out of your seat. And it's hard, I know. And I want you to come up here. I'm going to be sitting right there. I'm going to be standing right there singing. Bring somebody with you, somebody that you know, a friend, or you can come by yourself. And let's come up here. Let's get on our knees before God and let's repent. And then we'll go back there and we'll climb into that pool and you'll be baptized and receive God's spirit. And there's no telling what God may do through you. He did something pretty cool. And I believe that he can do the same thing through us, through his people. So I'm gonna have the guys come back up here and we're gonna spend some time worshiping. I I wanna offer baptism to you guys that that have never been baptized. It doesn't matter if, if you, you know, or as old as I am, and you got saved when you were a kid, or you're older, let's get it right today. Let's, let's have that step of obedience before God and do what he said. Or maybe for the first time, you want to know who Jesus is, and you want to have his spirit living inside of you. Then come up here, bring somebody with you, and let's get that settled today. And then we're going to come back after we worship, and we're going to finish our passage of scripture, and look, up, and look at an example of what God does through his people when they humble themselves before him. So I invite you guys to stand up with me. Let's sing. Let's sing crying out to God, singing these songs that he preached about here. And, uh, and pray that God will, will, will be, oh, we know he's going to be here. He said he would be here and empower us. Um, yeah, communion can be also, it's a, it's a baptism and communion is a part of that that response to God. So feel free to take communion as you come up. Come to the tables and, and break the bread and realize all that God, as all that, that uh, Peter talked about, who Jesus is and how he fulfilled uh, God's plan. And, and just one more thing. <laughs> if you guys have kids that you believe are ready to get baptized, some of you, some of, you uh, of our children, uh, you've known about who Jesus is but you've never been baptized, I would invite you to come forward and parents, you can do it with them and say, hey, you ready to get baptized? Do you feel God's spirit inside of you? Do you feel him moving and saying it's time for you to respond? So let's respond to God. Father, I thank you that, that we do have your spirit inside of us and I, and I look back on this journey with you, God, and, and I just see you there every day and even sitting in this room last night, God, and, and just feeling you and knowing that you're here And knowing that you're with your people is such a beautiful thing, Father. Thank you that you invite us into your kingdom. That right now you are inviting your creation to respond to you. Give us the faith to step out in obedience to that, Father. We ask this in the name of your Son, because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, 
please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.